It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, senior NBA writer Sam Amick on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, of course, he writes for The Athletic. He is our good friend Sam Amick. Hello, Sam. How are you? Hello, Jake. Doing great. How are you, my friend? Oh, man, couldn't be better. We've got a Game 6 in the NBA Finals tonight. The weather around here is finally beautiful. There are Father's Day is this weekend. There's a lot going on, Sam, and uh, starting with the with the game tonight, I think the series has uh, certainly had a lot of drama, but the games themselves, I think, have been a lot of fun so far. They have been. It's, it's easily one of the most unique series, you know, finals, or maybe the most unique that I've ever covered. I talked to a colleague about this today, and about how it's just, you know, the basketball at different times has almost been a, a subplot. You've had everything from, you know, the, the Drake stuff early on with Steph and Draymond yapping at him in Toronto, you know, Drake pulling lint off Steph's head. You know, you've had some bad moments with the fans, you know, Mark Stevens, the Warriors minority owner and that whole situation and stuff even in the streets with fans going after the Warriors people. Uh, but some great basketball too, and some you know tragic injuries with Kevin Durant going down. It's just a lot, and it you know it's one of those things where it feels like we've been covering this thing for six weeks, not a week and a half. Oh, I was going to say that you bring up the Mark Stevens thing. That feels like a month ago. It's amazing how much uh, how much water has has gone under the bridge. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. And uh, we, we can get to some of that off-the-court stuff here in a sec, but I, I want to stay on the court for the moment as far as tonight's game goes. In my mind, it comes down to who's going to have the best player on the floor. Is it going to be Kawhi or is it going to be Steph? And I think that with the motivation, I don't know why, Sam, but I'm leaning Steph for some reason. That's fair. You know, I don't I don't blame you. The guy is, uh, first of all, he's a two-time MVP. He's having a very good final. I wrote a little bit today about how he's certainly not been his efficient self. But for one, you know, under the radar, what's been wild is that he's getting to the line at an incredible rate. He averaged about four free throw attempts per game during the regular season. He's above 10 during these finals, and that's been huge because his true shooting percentage, not to geek out on you with some numbers, but, like, you know, it's up around 60, uh, and it's historic-type stuff. He's played well. And to me, if you add in the uniqueness and the historic component of this being the last game in Oakland, it's a big, big deal. This guy's not from Oakland. We all know, you know, he's from North Carolina. But this is a guy who, ever since he came out of uh, Davidson, has become part of this community, cares about the city, cares about the history, and this is you know, his entire NBA journey has been here. And, you know, I've only been in this building for about an hour today, and you can already feel it. Like, I'm, I'm curious how that impacts the basketball, uh, because in terms of this motivation, the Warriors have that edge. This is, you know, a night that they want to remember for sending this building and these, you know, out in the right kind of way for their fans. The the play the area I see Golden State and this is fairly obvious coming up short of course is in their front court where Kavon Looney is so important to what they do and he's obviously battling a really serious injury. Boogie Cousins at times has been okay uh, and at times has been a complete liability especially defensively and Andrew Bogut was playing on Australia uh, a month ago. Are they going to have enough in the front court to uh, I guess combat Mark Gasol and Pascal Siakam? Uh, we shall see. I mean, even the way you kind of detailed that is just an incredible reminder 
of how interesting this season has been for them. You know, Bogut, like you said, he's in Australia thinking his NBA days are done. He gets a text message from Draymond Green, you know, hey, buddy, what do you think about coming back? And next thing you know, they really need his depth. DeMarcus, you know, with that Achilles tear and shocking the world by signing with the Warriors last summer and then having the quad tear in the playoffs. Um, that's where I look at it. And to your question about the forwards and, and the matchups, I mean, to me right now, you know, in a vacuum, the Raptors are the better team based on health combined with, you know, who's available and, and what they are capable of. I think Toronto's a better team. But, um, I, again, we, we, we've seen these occasional breakout performances from the role players on the Warriors' side that if they get enough of those tonight, if DeMarcus can, can you know, avoid the, the bad mental mistakes, cannot get destroyed on defense, if Quinn Cook can hit a couple of threes, you know, guys like that, uh, then maybe they get this thing done. But uh, they don't have much margin for error. And that's such a weird thing to say, right? Because, like, the last five years, that's been the story for everybody who had to face the Warriors because there was so little margin for error. That's the spot they're in right now. I mean, I really do think the Raptors are a better squad at the moment. All right, Sam, let's tear the Band-Aid off. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Looking for kind of your overall take on the situation, him coming back, the unfortunate injury, how it's been handled since. Where where does your brain go through all of this? I just It's just unfortunate. You know, you feel terrible for him. Um, forget about the money. Forget about the fame. You know, the guy just undisputably loves the game of basketball and it's his kind of professional purpose and just something that he, he enjoys so much. And he just lost a season in his prime and that sucks. I don't know how else to put it, but it really does. And I, you know, I don't know. It, it's been very uncomfortable the last couple of days around the team because the blame game certainly has been going on, you know, and, and even I keep saying this to people having covered the NBA for quite a while now, it's like, listen, I, I don't ever want to pretend. I don't have a doctorate. I'm not a medical expert. And so you try to learn as much as possible about a situation. And, and I, you know, I still don't have clarity. I still don't understand how the Achilles was not more a, a bigger part of the Warriors' conversation as they made the decision to clear him. And let's not forget, he was not medically cleared until before game five when their trainer, Rick Celebrini, first-year guy who's got a great reputation, and, you know, made that call in, in collaboration with Kevin, with an outside doctor as well. Um, and so here you are. But it's just the, the, the common sense aspect of the calf being, like, geographically so close to the Achilles. And just when, when I've read stuff talking about how when a calf is not 100% healthy and it's, you know, weakened, that it compromises the Achilles, that makes a lot of sense to me. But the Warriors are maintaining 100% that, you know, they thought the worst-case scenario was a restrain of the calf, that the Achilles was not a concern. I just don't get that. But, again, I also am I'm not a doctor. So still questions. And, uh, you know, if you look at my Twitter timeline within the last couple minutes, you'll see some, I think, some pretty cool stuff from the Warriors where they came up with these T-shirts to support Kevin but also uh, to give tribute to the city of Oakland. It's, these T-shirts say for Oakland, and the, and the K and the D are uh, highlighted in yellow. They've got these rally towels with the same thing on there. So, you know, a lot of themes tonight. It's certainly going to be a lot of emotion. Yeah, I've got that up right now. That's that's really cool, and and I I think that whole building is going to be full of emotion, uh, is Sam. And uh, I just wonder how much how much do you think that matters? Because I think you're probably right that Toronto is at, at the moment the more talented team. How much does that stuff actually matter in an NBA Finals game? I think it matters. Um, I mean, 
I think, you know, you hear players talk about it's just, you know, you, you, you take fuel wherever you can get it. This is a challenging game from a cardiovascular standpoint, from a psychological standpoint. Like when you're playing 48 minutes and you're a guy like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and it's like you want to leave everything on the floor, um, you know, the moment does matter, I think. And somebody said to me pregame, like, you wonder if maybe it'll put them in a weird headspace and maybe it could be a negative. Uh, I would tend to disagree on the Warriors' side. I, I think it's only a positive for them. I mean, Clay Thompson has been putting stuff on social media all day long, talking about what this game means to, to him. Uh, it's one of those games they are going to dive for every loose ball. They are going to have more fuel, I think, because of this moment in Game 6 than the Raptors. But then you also can't gauge Toronto and the obvious question of just how badly do they want to finish the job. They know, you know, that, that game seven is dangerous. You know, even though you're going to be on your home floor, you know, you're dealing with a champion here. You're dealing with a squad that knows how to get the job done, even when they're battered and bruised like they are. So it's just kind of a test of wills. What uh, right now, Sam and Sam Amick with us from The Athletic, uh, what is the most likely outcome for um, – uh, uh, for Anthony Davis as kind of the, the information sits out there right now? I mean, I, at this point, would be surprised if he's not in a Lakers jersey at some point, uh, maybe within the next day or so. And, you know, who knows? The Lakers are trying to hold on to Kyle Kuzma. And I think there are some people close to the situation who would be, you know, prefer that they just put Kyle on the table and get the deal done. But, it appears they're trying to use the number four pick instead of Kyle Kuzma. And that's, you know, where a little bit of the rub is, but I don't get the sense that the Lakers, I'm sorry, the new Orleans is making New York a priority right now. So, you know, Boston continues to push, but I, you know, I kind of, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of them putting Jason Tatum on the table, when you know that, uh, that, you know, that, that Kyrie is likely leaving, and, and, you know, the whole time Anthony wanted to play with Kyrie, and Kyrie was the way that you would convince Anthony to stick around in Boston. Without that, it's a major, major risk. So, you know, I would lean very strongly towards the Lakers. And what's incredible is that at that point, don't forget, they still have that other max salary slot. So, I mean, there is a, a very real scenario in play right now where as much as we have just destroyed the Lakers with good reasons for the last couple months for how they've functioned, you know, they could have themselves an incredible team next year if they can get AD and then go grab another free agent after that. What's uh, what's your latest read on what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard? It seems like uh, we've seen the rumor more and more out there that he'd be willing to do kind of a, a one-and-one with Toronto and maybe stay in the short term. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's probably where I would lean right now. Um, you know, we always – I've said all season long, like – with all this free agency stuff, you can never discount how the results matter, the playoffs matter, where is the guy's head going to be at in mid-June, late June, based on what his team did or didn't do. Uh, we've seen that play out left and right. You know, Jimmy Butler with Philly increased his, you know, his chances of sticking around because he played so well. You know, Kawhi now knows that at minimum, this is a team that can contend for a title and get very deep into the finals, if not win the whole darn thing. And he's got a training staff that knows him and has done a great job with him all year long. He's got a, a GM, a president of basketball operations in Masai Ujiri, 
who he trusts and he's widely respected, you know, a coach and Nick Nurse who's done a good job, like these relationships matter. And if you're him, you've got to think about is the grass always greener, even if you want to play, you know, for your quote-unquote hometown team. You know, he grew up in Moreno Valley, about an hour and a half outside of L.A. And uh, the Clippers situation is great, but if we just look at these two rosters right now and put Kawhi on the Clippers, like you better be coming with another second free agent or else this Raptors team is far better than those Clippers. And, you know, he's certainly smart enough to know that. Sam, real quick before we let you go, the draft is a week from tonight, which seems crazy. Uh, do you expect a lot of movement uh, around the draft? To be honest, Jake, I, I don't have a great feel for it. I have not been digging too much on the draft. Certainly know, you know the way it's expected to go at the top. And all eyes have been on the how it relates to the AD situation. Um, beyond that, I don't, I don't have a good grip on the movement. I mean, you know how it is. Every one of these GMs is always banging the phones and, and looking for options. And there's teams that don't have picks that are trying to get in and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, they always give us a reason to grab the popcorn and, and watch what unfolds. But, you know, no specifics for you, unfortunately. Oh, and real quick, just because you're you're based in Sacramento, what did you think about the Kings going and grabbing uh, Coach Kakashkov? Love that, uh, love that move for them. No, a really good move, really good move. Um, I haven't talked to that organization about it, uh, but uh, you know, listen. When Luke Walden was with the Lakers, he took a lot of flack for not having a good enough uh, coaching staff. He had a lot of inexperience and guys who he had history with on part of that staff, and now. You know, he, he's already made some additions previously and some ones that, that got kind of, you know, high approval ratings in the basketball world. This one kind of checks that box that I think the Kings wanted to check, which is like a, a really experienced former head coach and obviously, you know, with the, the Utah ties and a guy who was put in a tough situation in Phoenix. And um, I, I will say that it's funny on a grander scale, I hope it goes well for him. Uh, because I feel like, you know, Tori Messina just took that job overseas and is now leaving the NBA. Uh, there's so much coaching talent in Europe, but Igor, is, you know, being the first European head coach to, to get that opportunity, like, they need some momentum on that front because it seems to be kind of trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately. So in that regard, you know, good to see him land in a good spot. Sam, you are the absolute best. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll keep an eye out for your work as usual. You got it. Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Sam. Uh, the great Sam Amick of The Athletic. He's there in uh, Oakland, ready to cover tonight's Game 6, and he is always must-listen radio when he joins us each and every week here as part of your NBA Daily Assist. We'll have more straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.